I really don't think and I don't believe that somebody at Cornell would make such evil and vile and disgusting threats. But federal investigators say that's exactly what happened when 21-year-old Cornell Jr. Patrick Dye posted graphic threats online against Jewish students. It does not feel like we're living in 2023. It feels like we're living in Nazi Germany. Federal authorities arrested Dai on Tuesday after the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, state police, and local authorities joined forces to find the person responsible for making the heinous threats. Overnight, Cornell University released a statement condemning the horrific threats and expressing gratitude to the FBI for working so swiftly. I can't imagine what would go through the mind of someone like that just first of all you're making threats on like this like this random website like why would you do that and I, I think it's like really ridiculous and I'm I'm glad that the person was taken into custody. According to the Anti-Defamation League, since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, there has been a nearly 400% increase in anti-Semitic incidents in the U.S. The FBI says Jewish and Muslim Americans are being targeted. We've already seen that with the individual we arrested last week in Houston who'd been studying how to build bombs and posted online about his support for killing Jews. And with the tragic killing of a six-year-old Muslim boy in Illinois and what we're investigating investigating as a federal hate crime. Dai is scheduled in court at 2.30 this afternoon in Syracuse, where he will appear before a magistrate judge. If convicted, he faces five years in prison and a fine of up to $25,000. Live in the newsroom, Jessica Moore, CBS2 News. Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, CBS failed to say what Patrick Dai actually threatened. He threatened to kill or injure Jews. That's what he's encouraging people to do online. In fact, Specific threats to shoot up 104 West, which is a kosher dining hall next to the Cornell Jewish Center. Bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all you pig Jews. That's what he said. That's what he's charged with. But they whitewash. Even that, they just whitewash it. Uh, and then at Harvard, we know that just a few days ago, Washington Free Beacon reported uh, that a Jewish student is surrounded and harassed by a group of uh, guys you know, with their Hamas... A signaling clothing, scarves that they're wearing, and they're holding the scarves around him, and they're harassing him, yelling shame. And there was a, actually what they called a die-in on that day with students all over, I guess, the common area of the school. The Jewish student is filming them, but because of the scarves, you can't catch them, except he does at some point catch one of the students, Ibrahim Barmai. And guess what? He's on the Harvard Law Review. He caught a second one, Elon Tete Tamaklo. He's in the Divinity School. He's a school proctor. And so this is the kind of thing that's happening. And uh, a lot of uh, corporations who support Harvard and these major universities are, are withdrawing funds. Individual billionaires, are Jewish billionaires or billionaires in general, are withdrawing funds. Uh, they just can't understand what's happening on our campuses. And we see uh, leftist Jewish kids, students, beginning to wonder about the people that they used to call friends who now have come out hating the Jews. It's really an incredible world. Well, today we're going to talk about what's happening in Israel. We're going to talk about what the Israeli Defense Forces are doing. Uh, and it's, a, it's actually, look, it's war, but it's pretty interesting what they are doing. They have a new weapon, as a matter of fact, that we're going to talk about a little bit. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is going to join me. And so I hope that you'll stay tuned. Well, speaking of life, life, well, life, killing of the innocent is uh, 
what God says we should not do. Individual determined killing of an innocent person from birth to old age. Uh, we, we're not allowed to do that. War is different. War is a corporate decision by country uh, to, uh, to uh, it's like under the, I think, the banner of Romans 8, where God allows governments and forms them in order to bring order to the world. So, But we're talking about unborn children right now, and that is what preborn is in the business of trying to help, trying to stop that. Um, and in fact, I want to mention to you that we're coming up on November the 7th, and that's Election Day in Ohio, also Virginia, by the way. They've got some very serious things happening there, too. But in Ohio, they have what's called Issue 1. And Issue 1 in Ohio would make abortion legal for all nine months. It would re- remove all parental consent. You know, as uh, many of the other states have already passed such legislation, I want to tell you, all of you from Ohio, I want to suggest that you go to vote and stop that issue one, stop it on November the 7th. But uh, if we cannot stop these, this horrendous uh, wave of death, now, I guess some of our people love death more than we love life because they surely are intent on killing babies. If we can't stop this wave, the only thing we can do, it may end up being is persuading the moms not to do this. No one's going to force them yet, not like China, yet. But if we could persuade the moms not to take the life of the baby in their womb, then that will be great victory and will sidestep any issue two, issue one and all the other legislation that's in the works. And how do we do that? Well, pre-borns, uh, 10 hundred steps ahead of, ahead of us, uh, they give ultrasound to ultrasounds to moms who are in pregnancies that they didn't anticipate, didn't want, are confused about. And when the mom sees the baby, that's, that changes everything. And if you would like to help with preborn, help just you know help fund what they're doing and counter this wave of death that's happening all over the world and certainly in our country now, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, you know you're listening to Sandy Rios 24-7 podcast and you can find us uh, on all the podcast platforms. You can always email us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. We're on Facebook at Sandy Reels 24-7. Uh, you can always call us at 662-821-2040. So there you go. All right. Today's show is interesting. We're, we're not only going to talk, though, about Israel. Uh, toward the end of the show, I'm going to bring you an update on the aftermath of COVID and what it's done to our medical community and our ability to get good medical care. It's very interesting. It won't take very long, but you'll probably wish it were longer. So uh, stay tuned to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. 
within the last couple of hours, we've watched a battle form up here in the northeast corner of the Gaza Strip. From our observation, it's involved a lot of flares, some small arms fire, and at least two helicopters firing at positions on the ground. Meantime, at the southern end of the Gaza Strip, a lot of foreign passport holders, Americans included, escaped the war. And we've been here since 7 o'clock, fighting to get in. And now we get trying to get out, and I don't know what's going to happen. A fight to flee Gaza for a second straight day. Hundreds surged to the Egyptian border in hopes of leaving the war-torn strip of land. Foreign nationals, including some 400 Americans, are cleared to exit through the Rafah crossing. President Biden says more than 70 dual citizens have gotten out so far, including the family of John Rauschenberger. His daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren are now on their way to Cairo. It's just elation, happy. You put all this time and effort, you do it for family because they have a wonderful daughter and five precious grandkids and just ecstatic. Hamas says more than 9,000 Palestinians have been killed following weeks of heavy bombing and a growing ground war. Israeli defense forces say they have pushed through Hamas northern defenses. Now troops and armor have Gaza City encircled. We have very impressive successes. We are already on the outskirts of Gaza City. We are advancing. With an array of technology, Israel is repeatedly intercepting missiles launched from the southeast. While in the north along the Lebanon border, Hamas's Al-Qassam Brigade say they've shelled the Israeli town Kiryat Shimona with 12 rockets sparking fires. And in the last few minutes, we got an announcement from Israel's security cabinet that they're severing all ties with Gaza. Palestinian workers won't be able to find work in Israel any longer, and Israeli funds won't go back into the Gaza Strip. All right, Sandy Rios with you, and that was Mike Tobin of Fox News. That's really, honestly, even though it happened just before I joined you this morning, that's really not the latest, I don't think. And so Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, longtime guest of ours, who's the president of Project Sentinel, he's with the London Center. But uh, Tony's a really uh, a very experienced intelligence officer. Uh, he's been serving for a number of years. He's a Bronze Star winner. He has 30 years of field and operational experience. And you would know him if you've listened to me for a long time. The first time I interviewed him was... Uh, with his his best-selling memoir, Operation Dark Heart. He served in Afghanistan and other places, and of course I could go on and on. But Tony, every time I talk to you, you always know and understand the latest, and that's why I ask you to join me today. Is this a full-scale attack yet on Gaza, or is this still measured? No, good morning, Sandy. Thanks for having me. This is the attack. This is it. And they're going in very methodically. There were a number of delays, some of which they're still living with, but have decided to move forward anyway. One of those is Joe Biden sandbagging him, uh, begging quietly behind the scenes, not so quietly because we know it now, trying to get them to go into this quote-unquote ceasefire. And the other thing is just a limitation of weapons uh, that are available. The United States raided the wartime uh, forward-deployed stocks back in January to provide a bunch of ammunition to the Ukrainians thereby leaving the, the Israelis and our other allies in the region who may potentially need it uh, with a deficit. So they decided to go forward anyway. They're having a good effect, and in and, and many ways that um, lack of inf- ammunition has actually required them to be a bit more, you know, uh, creative in how they're doing things. And they've been able to adapt, and they're moving forward. I think uh, the study progress you saw the last few days are going to be what they want to do. They want to carefully, surgically go in, remove the bad guys, preserve as many of uh, the innocent civilians as possible as they go, and, and continue to, to move forward. Well, as I understand it, they're actually in the tunnels now, which is a huge deal. I think uh, Gaza has, what, 300 
miles of those tunnels, and that's where uh, Hamas actually operates from. So, uh, you know, Tony, can you verify this? I heard that they have a brand new uh, weapon that they developed that uh, is kind of like a, I'm, this is my crude way of describing it, like a plastic that just uh, explodes and goes through the tunnels and shuts things off. Uh, is that correct? And is that correct? Yeah, it's called, it, it, it basically is called a sponge bomb. And, and it's, yeah, if you go to Home Depot or you go to Lowe's, you get that spray foam stuff you, in a can, you spray it, and it's, it uh, spreads out and hardens fast. That's what it is. It's a, basically a, a larger version of that. And you, you set one of those things off, and it'll plug up the tunnel very quickly. And I, I, this isn't necessary to Plus, they're also using very advanced small aperture uh, drones, armed drones, to go in some of these things ahead of uh, their troops. So it, it is a, a good program, a good progress. They're making good progress using it. What they're also trying to do is make sure that as they take terrain, which has already happened at least once, these tunnels don't allow for Hamas to come up behind them and attack them from behind. So uh, these things are all over. They're doing their best to to, to go in and, and map them, and then they're going to shut some down. They're going to use some to exploit and continue to, to, to go where they are. But uh, most of Hamas's command and control, plus the, where they've hidden the hostages, Sandy, is mostly underground at this point. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the next question because, uh, you know, there's a, there's confusion about the hostages. I heard um, Senator Blackburn reported that there are at least 500 American hostages. That I've not heard anyone say that. What, what do you know about who's there and where they are? So my intel says there's 32 American hostages. Uh, they are captured. They don't know exactly where they are. But the, the house, the White House has continued to quite try to downplay that to say, ah, it's, it's less than, less than, not a while. I think they have less than ten. It's not true. It's, it's at least thirty-two from the intel estimates I've seen, and I think they have a fairly good handle on where they're at because of the fact that they want the Americans to be segregated out from the others because obviously the Americans will probably bring them more potential. Uh, uh, return. That is to say that they're going to actually try to get more out of the United States to do that. We've already seen negotiations behind the scenes between Qatar, the leadership in Qatar of Hamas and the United States, which I know the Israelis are not happy about that the United States is doing this separately. So that that makes me believe, Sandy, that the, that the American hostages are completely segregated away from the rest of the hostages just so they could be turned away or given back at the moment that the Hamas gets something from the United States at once. Now, you mentioned already the Biden administration, and I have alluded to this on the show. I mean, I've talked about the Iranian network, uh, Jack Lew, the new ambassador that just took his place, who, you know, he, he helped broker the Iranian deal. It goes on and on. It's really complicated, but right. I, it seems to me that while the Biden administration is pretending it's supporting Israel, all the while it's not supporting Israel. Is that a fair assessment, Tony? I've been saying it, absolutely. I, there's no evidence at this point that the Biden administration is completely with uh, the Israeli people or the Israeli military. They are, they are playing both sides against the middle. I describe it as uh, they don't want to lose. That, that is the Biden administration. They don't want to win. They don't want to do those things necessary to achieve specific policy goals, but they don't want to lose. And that means they play everything safe. They play multiple sides against the other. It, it, it only creates chaos. That's how we got here. Uh, and, yeah, Jack Lew is part of the very devoted uh, cult-like following of the progressive left. They will put their policies regarding what their their view of the world is forward beyond that which the United States would want, that, that is the American people. 
And they want, for some reason, Sandy, they want the Iranians to be our preferred partner working in the Middle East. And it's completely antithetical to any logic because the mullahs are out to end Israel. And if you really do think this through, if you you see Jack Lew and all these other guys trying to cozy up with the Iranians who want to see the, the Israeli state end, the only conclusion is the Biden administration must share that policy goal, and it's a very dangerous thing. Well, and they don't want to destroy, just destroy Israel. They want to destroy us. Death to America, they like to chant. And so one last right. question. I saw Senator Joe Lieberman last night suggesting, I know he's an elderly man, but he's still very cogent. He says we should attack Iran. He said we, are, we have yeah. to attack them. He thinks they're just a bully. What do you think about that? It's coming. Uh, I think Iran is <laughs> I'm looking at intel chatter this morning from several sources I trust, and I think the Iranians are getting ready to do that on their own. I think they're getting ready to move out and declare war on us, and I think they're going to be the ones who expand the, the battle. And it may well be coming within the next couple of days. Well, that's pretty frightening. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, it's always a pleasure to talk to you again. He's the uh, author of uh, Operation Dark Heart, great book, uh, New York Times bestseller, and uh, he's just a, a treasure because of his history and knowledge of the military, his knowledge on intelligence, his experience in the Middle East. And so, Tony, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I want to remind you that Christian Health Ministries is one of our sponsors, and it's probably apropos today since we're going to be talking about the future of healthcare, and we're talking about death and injuries and all of this, you know, our health is really important. And we have taken for granted good health care in this country for a long time. Uh, most people can get care if they just want it, whether it's Medicare or Medicaid or uh, whether it's a private insurance. There are ways uh, to get good health care. For heaven's sake, uh, illegal immigrants can get health care in this country right now. So, we have really been uh, fortunate to be raised in a, in a situation like that. But there is a very different way uh, of providing your health care, and that's Christian Health Care Ministries. It's not insurance. It's not insurance. It's a totally different way to cover your medical needs because you pay a certain a price uh, and you get your health care taken care of, whether it's your uh, telehealth or whether it's a primary care physician, whether it's surgeries or you know, catastrophic, whatever it is, uh, you can get that covered through Christian Healthcare Ministries. They're in all 50 states. Uh, they're also overseas. And all you have to do is go to chministries.org slash Sandy. You can find out more about what they offer. You can go to any doctor you want. You can go to any hospital you want. Really, you have so many choices. And I think with the way healthcare is moving, and we, again, we'll be discussing that in just a few minutes, this is something you just might want to explore. It's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org slash Sandy. So right now, uh, after the, you know, the Israeli air forces, the defense forces are in those tunnels, are at least trying to stop Hamas from spreading terror through the 300 miles of tunnels that they've built. It's very complicated because, of course, as we discussed, we think many of the hostages are there. Uh, and also, you've got the whole network of the terrorists, and then you've got the world criticizing them. And right now, actually, you've got the Biden administration asking for a pause, humanitarian support, and we've discussed that before. You know, there's nothing wrong with humanitarian support, but I just want to point out something, something that 
this generation, and barely me. I'm the son of a World War II veteran, a combat veteran, so I know something about this. Uh, and I know quite a bit about war because war in history is part of uh, part of what I think we need to understand about what's happening in the world, whether it's in the Old Testament or whether it's in your, you know, on Wikipedia, whatever. Wars are part of our past, and they are part of our future, according to Scripture. We need to understand war. And so, as I understand war, you can't just kind of fight. We kind of fought in Vietnam. Uh, we would do some things, we'd conquer, we actually were winning the war until the political uh, powers that be, under Johnson and uh, Nixon too, uh, started getting pressure. The, you know, the left stirred up public opinion, and we were not able to really fight. Why were we fighting in Vietnam? We were fighting to defeat the Chinese communists who were coming down to overtake it, and they actually did do that, and they, uh, the communists ended, ended up coming into Cambodia, slaughtering people like they always do. That's why we were fighting in Vietnam, in case you wondered, because you probably won't hear that anywhere else. But wars have to be fought to win, or you shouldn't fight wars. I'm just reading this uh, great, not a new book, by it's Doris Kearns Goodwin on President Lincoln, and uh, it's a team of rivals. But it, now we're in the war portion, and if you know anything about the Civil War, you probably remember that Abraham Lincoln had generals under him that just were well, especially one, McClellan, who was the chief of all the the America, the northern forces, would not fight. He had amassed this huge army, uh, but he would just like dabble, but he didn't really want to fight. And this went on for years, and it cost hundreds of thousands of lives. My point is that war, if you want to win a war, and you should not be fighting it if you don't want to win it, why let people die? Why have people die senselessly, get wounded? You must fight to win or don't get in it at all. I think that's what most military strategists would tell you, unless they're the ones with the Biden administration right now. And so I, I would just point, while they're calling for this, you know, ceasefire, uh, humanitarian pause, whatever word they give it, what it's doing is allowing the enemies in Hamas to revamp. Uh, they're the ones that'll get that aid. Are you kidding me? You think they're going to, if there are innocent people left in Hamas, and I'm doubtful uh, in Gaza, I'm doubtful. And why am I doubtful? Because, you know, we're seeing it. Even Mike Tobin played a series of um, people who are victims in Gaza. I have to tell you, Gaza elected Hamas to be their leaders. Uh, the people who live in Gaza Strip hate the Jews. They want them dead. They're not shy about that. They're very serious about that. And if you don't believe me, I want to play something for you. Now, this is a little tough to listen to, except that you will hear it uh, out of my voice, not out of the terrorist voice. And I'm going to give you an example of what's happening in Gaza and why when we have a pause uh, and when you see all of these so-called innocent, I'm not saying nobody's innocent in Gaza, certainly children, uh, but I'm telling you, their parents hate Israel. They're all in. Really? Do I really believe that? Yes, I do. And I'll give you an illustration of this. This is a call that came out, I guess, last week. I think I saw this and heard it, listened to it. It's a Palestinian or Gazan terrorist uh, calling home. He's calling his father. He talks to his mother. You can at some point hear siblings joining in. This is the innocent family left at home in Gaza, right? 
It's the terrorist who's just out doing this stuff. It's not his family. They're home, the innocent uh, victims of Israeli oppression, right? All right, well, I'm going to translate this for you, of course, in English, but I want you to hear it in the background uh, so that you can understand maybe better what the Israelis are up against. Here we go. Hello. Hi, Abba. Hello, Dad. Dad, I'm inside. Miss Awesome, open your WhatsApp right now and see all I killed. Look how many I killed with my own hands. Your son killed Jews. Father, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. May God protect you. This is inside Mufasim, Father. I am talking to you from the phone of a Jew. I killed her and her husband. I killed ten with my own hands, Father. Alawa Akbar. Open your phone and see how many I killed, Father. Open your phone. I'm calling you on WhatsApp. Father, crying. Terrace, I am in Malfasim, Father. I killed ten. Ten. Ten with my own bare hands. Their blood is on my hands. Let me talk to Mom. Oh, my son, may God protect you. I killed ten all by myself, Mother. May God bring you home safely. Father, go back to WhatsApp. I want to call you live from Methalsim. Mother, I wish I were there with you. Mother, your son is a hero. I was the first to enter under the guidance and with the help of Allah. Father, lift your head. Lift your head. Kill. Kill. Kill them. Inside. Inside. Into the city. Mahmoud, Mahmoud, this is his brother. Come back to Gaza. That's enough. Return. Return? There is no return. It is victory or martyrdom. My mother gave birth to me for Islam, Allah. Are you serious? How will I return? Look at WhatsApp. Look at your phone. Look at all the killed. So you can hear the whole family's involved. They are very proud of him. They're very proud of him. The mother wishes she were with him. The father's very proud of him. They're worshiping God as he tells them how he brutalizes and kills 10 Jews, a woman and her, son, her husband. She's, he's talking on the Jewish woman's phone, and he's bragging about that. He has their blood on his hands, and he's bragging about that. There's the, there's the brother talking. Um, so... I, I wanted you to hear that. Uh, it's difficult to hear, but I want you to understand. We're not talking about, we have such a different culture. You saw them rejoicing at beheading, beheading babies, burning babies alive, uh, raping women brutally. And I can't even tell you, some things I can't, that's bad enough. I can't describe to you what they have done. And it's certainly not that mother didn't do that. This little son, little brother didn't do that. But they support it. They, if they could, they would. The mother said, I wish I were there. These are the civilians in Gaza. 
And so when you see, you know, the left raising up their heads about we need to give them uh, some kind of supplies, I'm sorry, I'm, I have a very strong opinion about this, and you may not agree with me, but I'm sorry, I just, it's war. And this, this they have to be stopped. They have to be stopped. I remember when God told um, uh, Saul, King Saul, to eradicate the Amalekites. This, these are the descendants of the Amalekites. I'm not saying that means in general, that they should be eliminated. But God felt that this tribe should be eliminated because of their their brutal brutality toward Israel. So this is what we're watching. We have to kind of adjust the knobs in our thinking because war is not peacetime. War is not church on Sunday morning. War is all about killing. It's about killing or being killed. It's about uh, putting, it's kind of like, if you think of it, a disciplining um really bad children. You And of course, there's, a, there's controversy over that now because we can't discipline anyone for anything. We're wanting to, you know, we've got prosecutors letting criminals out of jail because it's too hard for them. So our culture has bent itself towards such an unbiblical view. And I believe that Christians have, we're subject to that, that we get bent and we get fooled. I have to tell you, we, we're getting ready to, to be, I believe, in a great conflict and a lot of decisions are going to have to be made. I, I'm seeing a lot of uh, people, uh, Jews who are on the left, for instance, who have been in complete an uh, agreement with the American left, you know, supporting everything they support, and now realizing that the American left is all about Palestine and the terrorists. And it's, it's a wake-up call for them, and they're beginning to ask questions, which is just like God to sort of get... The attention of his people and the Jews are his people. Even if they're not following him now, they are still the apple of his eye, and he wants them to come to him. And I, I can see him using this, these horrific things, as he did many times in the Old Testament, to draw his people back. And I think that's very likely what's happening. I want to say uh, right now Anthony Blinken is trying to talk, uh, and, and you know, under the permission of Joe Biden, trying to talk... Um, the Israelis into a humanitarian pause. When they did that, I think last week, they didn't call it that, but uh, they they allowed, I think, I believe it was $200 million worth of supplies into Gaza. And, of course, no one supervised that except Hamas. Americans didn't supervise that. And even if the UN had supervised it, which, as I understand, did not, they are all about the terrorists. The UN has made that their position clear about this. In resolutions, and so I, I just think we have to understand what Israel's up against, and they're getting, they're not getting support from the Biden administration. They're completely ingenuine, ingenuous in what they're doing. I think I explained, but I'll repeat that for the last fifty plus years, America has supplied uh, the arms necessary, weapons, uh, not not given them; they've been sold, uh, but Israel's had full access. Uh, to uh, parts for their planes, for their planes, everything they have had to fight these wars has been from America. And now it started with Barack Obama when he refused to sell Israel parts for their planes when they were not flying anymore. He refused to do that. Perhaps you don't know that, uh, but he did. And so this is what's happening now. They are actually threatening, and this is probably not going to make Fox News or any other coverage, but they're threatening the Israeli Defense Forces and their the, the political powers that be, Netanyahu, and the rest of them, that we will not, you know, if you don't do this or that, we will not give you supplies. 
That's why Israel had to, uh, America would not give them, our, the Biden administration would not give them, I think they call them bunker bombs, the ones that go into these tunnels. Uh, the Biden administration refused to give them any of those bunker bombs, in spite of the fact that Hamas operates in these tunnels under Gaza, under hospitals, under schools. This is the way they rolled. They love death more than we love life. And so uh, the Israelis now have come up with their own clever way to go into these tunnels. And isn't that just like them? Because in spite of their secular, you know, the overriding secular uh, atmosphere in Israel, God still has his hand on his people, and they're very smart. And I believe, you know, he is not, he's not given up on them. I, you know, I know, we know he allows judgment to come to them because he wants them to come to him. That's the ongoing story of the Old Testament, and I believe it's the story until the end of time. And so um, um, that's, that's uh, what I wanted to tell you today about Israel. We just need to pray for them. And most of all, that they would turn their hearts toward God. I believe that I'm seeing the worm turn a little bit. I do. There are a lot of religious Jews that I know in Israel who really do love God. They practice uh, Old Testament faith in God, but they, they do believe in the one true God. And even though they don't embrace Jesus yet, they're on that road. Uh, if you have a heart for truth, you're on the road to understanding that Jesus was, was God and that he was God's son. And so that's what I pray for, for people who live in Israel and for people who live in this country who are Jewish. So um, the saga continues. <laughs> As you watch your news today, perhaps you'll see, uh, get a little bit of a different perspective than what you'll see on those news channels. Well, this is Sandy Reels on Sandy Reels 24-7. And when we return, I have something else very special, different topic today. It's going to be on um, what's happening to our health care in the, in the wake of COVID, and what things can we expect and what should we fear? And we're going to discuss that briefly after this. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. You might, might want to ask, you know, if killing is racist, a lot of people think it is. Uh, seems like it does inspire a lot of death. People don't like other people, regardless of color, but sometimes color has something to do with it, whether it's white or black or brown. Uh, but is abortion, which is also killing, is that racist? Is it something related with color? Well, I think, unfortunately, the truth is, in the United States, it is. Uh, because Planned Parenthood had a founder named Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist. She believed that there were superior races, and she felt the black race and the brown race was not one of those superior races. She actually stated in one of her periodicals that the black race were human weeds that needed to be destroyed. That was Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood. So yes, abortion is racist. Planned Parenthood clinics are in minority neighborhoods in all the cities. That's where they find themselves because, well, why do you think? And so this is why uh, Preborn actually plants their ministries you know, in those city centers, in those difficult places. They're all over the country in that way. And so, and then that's for a reason, because, because people want to save lives and save babies are not racist. You know, they, they from, as God, from God's point of view, every color, every person, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, you know, Greek or Scythian. It doesn't matter. God loves all of us. It has nothing to do with color. And he cares about each of our lives. And that's the viewpoint of preborn. So if you'd like to help them provide ultrasounds for women of all colors 
and especially in those big cities where a lot of brown and black moms are and are really victim to the propaganda or, you know, struggling financially, all of that, we know why. But Preborn's trying to help them to see that there's redemption in saving their babies by showing them ultrasounds of their babies in their womb. If you'd like to help do that, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. We are here today because we are all concerned by the World Health Organization's strong pressure to extend its powers, its structural and its financial capacities with a permanent effect over the sovereignty of the countries and over the self-determination of the people. I will initiate an independent evaluation at the earliest appropriate moment to review experience gained and lessons learned and to make recommendations to improve national and global pandemic preparedness and response. But one thing is abundantly clear. The world must never be the same. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That's a portion of a brand new video warning us about the things that are to come. World Health Organization is trying to uh, take over control of the world's health. They've been given, of course, uh, permission by so many countries who've been willing to give up their sovereignty. But after COVID struck the international scene and did so much devastation, it's very alarming that the World Health Organization wants to step in and tell us what we should and should not do and can and cannot do. And yet, it's imminent that it's happening in this country. I've asked Dr. John Littell to join us this morning. Uh, John, uh, Dr. Littell is, uh, 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 I'm sorry, he is, I'll tell you in a second what he is. He's a board-certified family physician. He practices in Ocala and Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, he has served as a fac- on the faculty of uh, University of Central Florida School of Medicine, also the chief of staff at Florida Hospital. But he- here's the thing. Uh, Dr. Littell is uh, just a powerfully known physician. He's almost lost his license uh, in this past year or so because of his strong stand on fighting COVID, his objection to the vaccines. Uh, he is kind of an island of his own with some other brave and bold physicians who will he will be featuring at an event on November the, the 11th, and that's one of the reasons we want to talk to him. Well, Dr. Littell, thanks for joining us this morning. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me, Sandy. It's a, it's a beautiful Friday. We've got an extra hour tonight to, to prepare for for November 11th and prepare for whatever else lies ahead, right? Yes, here absolutely. In Florida anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely. really thankful to be on the show. And, yes, we are bringing together a whole bunch of uh, veterans of this uh, COVID war that took place in our country. And anyway, we happen to be getting together on Veterans Day, and we'll be honoring, of course, our military veterans at this event as well. I'll never, I'm an Army veteran, as is my wife, and uh, I think it's very significant that we're able to do this on Veterans Day. Well, since we since you went right to that, tell people who you're bringing in. Because let me just explain. This is, I think, the third year you've done this. Uh, Bruce and I attended last year and just were blown away. Well, we in, just learned. I, I, we both said we stood, sat there for like a ten, 10 hours at least last year because of the banquet and all of that. We never got bored. We were never distracted, never restless. It was amazing. So who is it that you're bringing in this year and what's going to be the topic? Well, this is a threefold uh, uh, 
topic that we're doing this year. It's called The Assault on Our, our Food, Our Families, and Our Medical Freedom. And, um, and, of course, a COVID update that is going to be the best you're going to get anywhere in the country with Drs. Ryan Cole, Robert Malone, Pierre Corey, Paul Marek, uh, Kathleen Leland Finn, uh, Brian Tyson, um, from, uh, people from Dr. Mark McDonald. The doctors who are coming out from all over the country and Canada are all exquisitely prepared uh, to discuss where we are right now with, with the COVID the coronavirus uh, emerging vaccines, potential threats, even our local doctor, Dr. Stephen Hatfield, who lives here, who was in the Trump White House, who's an expert on emerging viral threats that people want to know what's on the horizon. But, but then we've got these three areas of specific I'm going to delve into, the attack on our food supply. You know, what, what, is, what can we trust? No one knows who to trust as a doctor. No one knows what to trust as far as what they're eating or consuming. And I've got folks from um, the U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Um, we're going to discuss uh, the safety of not just our beef supply, but our, our entire food supply with two professors from the University of Florida who are not woke, which is hard to find these days, a nutritional biochemist, Dr. Knudsen, and an animal science professor, Dr. Scheffler. Um, and then, of course, we've got, um, oh, my gosh, so many people discussing the food supply. It's, it's hard to even think of the whole list there. The author of The Carnivore Diet, Dr. Sean Baker. And why we're doing this is because one of the areas of medicine that I've been very uh, concerned about is the overuse of statins. Everybody's been given this con- cholesterol diagnosis, hyperlipidemia, and I believe that that's another pharmaceutical ploy that came aboard you know, almost 40 years ago. So you know, not only do we have to be careful about our vaccines, and uh, we'll get into that in a second, but also these many of the chemicals that we put into our body, many of the medications which have not been proven safe. And yeah, the attack on our children, we're going to look at the whole issue of pediatric vaccines, not just coronavirus vaccines, but others. Um, whether What is it going to be? What do parents have to do to find a physician that they can trust to take care of their, of their children and not be swayed by, the, you know, the, the World Health Organization you mentioned earlier, the CDC, or all these academies of family practice and pediatrics that are so woke and really lockstep with these uh, pharmaceutical, uh, big pharma-driven policies. And uh, so we're going to discuss the care of our children, our families, or our fertility, our mo- pregnant moms. And then lastly, we're going to highlight all the victims of the last three year, uh, three years of this lockstep mentality, these vax, the vaccine injured, the medical students who were forced to be vaxxed or thrown out of medical schools, the uh, um, the doctors and nurses who are in the front lines um, who were punished for for defending their the right of the patients to receive treatments that they deserved or not get treatments that were dangerous. So that's the medical freedom portion. We have a legal panel uh, with four expert attorneys from across the country discussing. You know, what has happened to our country? Uh, all of this stuff should have been illegal, and yet we got they got away with it. Well, will they continue to get away with it? Uh, and uh, that's going to be what we'll be discussing. And we'll have a lot of hope for the future, because when you bring together a 1,000 people in one event that's going to be live-streamed by Epic Times to hundreds of thousands, it's going to, change is going to happen. You're going to want to be a part of it. You know, uh, well, let me repeat. Seriously, Bruce and I were so enriched. I mean, fascinating stuff. People that you've 
a lot of these people, of course, you've heard of, like Dr. Malone. He's been my guest many times. But there are so many unsung heroes that you've never met who are articulate, powerful in their own sphere who you've never heard of. Uh, and it is, you're right, Dr. Littell, when they all get in one room and that brain power and passion for what's right uh, is combined, it's pretty amazing. And I have to also say that, I, I want to say that because I'm a Christian, I know you are also a believer, and you you really bring that into the conference, even though I know not every single doctor or medical person uh, is on that same page. But uh, it's just a wonderful touch. And I, all, you know, Rasmussen Reports actually just came out with a survey that said 24% of American adults say they know someone personally who died from the side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. We're learning so much, aren't we? It's been three years. What can you say uh, yes. that's brief about the, what we what's happened as a result of that medically? Yes, I mean, thank you for m- mentioning, first of all, the... Uh, the Holy Spirit will be in full force in this room. I can tell you that. I invoke his, him, him all the time, and I know that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there, and he will be there in great power. You know, we, we have to keep that in mind. I, I know this is a spiritual battle that we're all in, and I'm very much cognizant of that. And yes, people, including myself, I mean, I've lost uh, two very close relatives. I have another, uh, my sister, who has a has had cancer after the Moderna vaccine that survived. But regardless, we everybody knows someone who's been injured, uh, and certainly everyone knows somebody who was injured by the hospitals during COVID, um, whether, you know, that, that, that they were never allowed to see before they died um, and be with to advocate for them. So we, we, were, we will definitely be attacking this issue of, you know, the injustice of the last three years and moving forward, what are we going to do to stop this propaganda machine that seems almost unstoppable in many people's opinion. You know, when you look at the mass media, how much they control our, 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 our behavior. But, you know, again, the power of putting everybody in one room, what really makes this conference for me special is I get to learn so much because I'm putting people up on panels. They're still calling me. They're saying, you know, what am I going to talk about? I said, no, it's not a matter of standing up and giving a lecture for most of them. There'll be a few of those. But for most, it's going to be, no, you're going to be interacting with your colleagues, and we're going to ask some very difficult questions. And I'm going to ask you all to debate it, to debate it, to have an open exchange of ideas, which is something that's almost unheard of in medicine anymore. And, um, and then the audience and it will be participating in the sense that we're all going to see what's happening, and, yeah, there'll be room for questions. So I'm, I'm excited to see what sort of a consensus comes out of this conference, this summit on COVID and um, and no matter what, I know it'll be all working for the greater glory of God. Yes, well, I, I've been testified. I saw that myself. And so let me just tell people, it's the 2023 Florida Summit on COVID. And the subtitle is Food, Family, and Medical Freedom. It is on November the 11th uh, in this gorgeous, brand-new World Equestrian Center Expo 2 in Ocala, Florida. Ocala, Florida is beautiful. It's horse country. It's a great place to come and visit. There are things to do when you come there. Uh, and so I just really uh, personally inviting you. Bruce and I will be there again. It, it's at, from 9 to 4 on November the 11th, and you will never regret this. Trust me. Uh, let me just say, it's pre- you go if you want to buy a ticket and make a reservation, which you need to do, uh, prescribetruth.com. That's prescribetruth.com. Dot com. That's how we'll put that on our Facebook page in case you didn't get that down in due course, but it's prescribedtruth.com. Dr. John Littell, again, is the host and organizer of all of this. 
And uh, just one last word from you, Dr. Littell. You did survive them stripping you of your credentials, did you not? Yeah, this is what's interesting. They gave me the three months of, of slap on the wrist of being decertified with a, war- with a warning to no longer engage in unprofessional behavior with misinformation. Uh, so this is what we're doing. We're going to go out there and we're going to show the American Board of Family Medicine, the American Board of Internal Medicine, and whoever else wants to discipline doctors that we have the right of speech in this country that we love. And, yeah, if they want to discipline me and try to get rid of my board certification as a result of this, then so be it, and the fight will be on. And that's why we have the lawyers there and everyone else to support us. All right. Prescribetruth.com. You don't want to miss this event. This is like-minded people, the kind of thing we talk about all the time every day on this show, trying to get you to do something, say something, and so many of you already have. So now's the time to equip yourself because the battles have not, be- have not stopped. Uh, Dr. John Littell, thank you. We, you're, you're, um, you, you are an inspiration. I know to the medical community, but you're an inspiration to everyone who knows you. So thank you so much for joining us and for organizing this. Thank you, sir. Sandy, thanks for having me. Have a blessed day and a blessed weekend. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, same to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, you've been listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I want to remind you that we've got some great sponsors, preborn.com slash Sandy, and also Christian Healthcare Ministries. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. After that discussion with Dr. Littell, I certainly do think you should start thinking about alternatives to your health care. And you just have to go to chministries.org. Dot org slash Sandy. You know that you can find us on any podcast platform. You can find us at Facebook on Sandy Rios 24-7. You can find us at SandyRios.com. You can find us at our home base, which is AFR.net. And you can call us at 662-821-2040. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.